The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. And glad to have you guys on board for the next hour. We'll be talking uh, UK sports with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Among the latest uh, articles that Kyle has posted is one that does a deep dive on the upcoming UK football season. So there'll be a lot to talk about there on that story and more. And then uh, Chris Fisher from Cat's Paws will join us in the first half of the show. That's our guest lineup that rolls us into the Wildcat News of the Day, and that is a service of Kentucky Beer Cheese. So we'll start with uh, some news that is starting to break in various places. I was watching Sports Center, and they were uh, talking about it with Heather Dinich, their college football reporter. Saw a story from Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports. All of these stories are talking about what is going to be the likely expansion of the college football playoff here soon. Not for this upcoming season, but uh, they will uh, make. They are making plans apparently to go from four teams to twelve. So jumping right past eight and going to twelve uh, in the college football playoffs. Now, that's according to um, what the reporting is right now, but there seems to be a consensus that that's where the thinking is going on this with the committee, uh, the college football playoff committee, and there will be you know more stakeholders that have to weigh in on this. They'll have TV contracts to work out and bowl games and all of that, how it will play out. But it looks like we are headed for a significant expansion of the college football playoff. Uh, and by the way, um, let me add here before I continue that it sounds a little different than usual having a technical issue co- diff- technical issue with the uh, hookup uh, as I am on the road heading to my uh, daughter's college graduation this weekend. So um, we'll see if we can hopefully get this worked out before too much longer. Uh, John Clay in his notes column in the Herald Leader today uh, had a, an item about this, and he put in there, that, in his opinion, that it could mean the end of bowl games. I, uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it is uh, a definitely a big change if, if it comes to go to 12 teams. And I would have to think that some would be some level of bowl games that would continue, I would hope so, uh, because of um, the programming that they provide for ESPN and nothing else during the holidays. Um, people complain that there are too many bowls, and yet the ratings are are good for them, and that's why they continue to have them, to show them. Uh, and I, I like it for, you know, the the teams that, uh, you know, Kentucky hopefully is headed at a, at a place under Mark Stoops where they could get in contention for a 12-team playoff. But the years that they don't, and then you think of, uh, you know, the other teams that are in all the leagues, power leagues, that are trying to get to the top half, Indiana uh, in the Big Ten, that, those fan bases would have still something to, and players would have something to uh, look forward to if their season gets off to a, a bad start. They could still rally and uh, get to uh, some kind of postseason play. But um, maybe the playoff will be so big that they won't need it from uh, the TV standpoint. 
going to be a lot of interesting angles to play out to this, but it looks like that is where we were, where we are uh, headed. So a story from uh, 24-7 Sports, their co- one of their college football writers, Chris Hummer, uh, a story about who was hurt most by college football transfers. And number one on the list, Tennessee. I also saw an item where Missouri has lost 19 players to the transfer portal. Uh, in this article, uh, they didn't mention Missouri as one of the teams hurt most. That was a, a sidebar. But uh, on this uh, list, they also put Nebraska. And the main reason was because of the impact of losing Wandale Robinson, who of course, is playing well, the Wildcats now. Nikola uh, Djokic uh, named the MVP in the NBA from the Denver Nuggets. He becomes the lowest drafted player ever to win the MVP award. He was picked 41st back in 2014. Last night, the Jazz beat the Clippers 112 to 109 to take game one of that series. Marcus Cousins had six points, Rajon Rondo five uh, in reserve roles for the Clippers. 76ers beat Atlanta 118 to 102 to tie that series at one apiece. Tyrese Maxey played about five minutes, but did not score in the game. Uh, Bob Baffert and the owner of Medina Spirit are suing the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. They want more testing on the sample of Medina Spirit post-race sample. They're looking apparently to show that the beta-methasone, the uh, banned substance, uh, or the, I guess not banned substance, but the, the substance that had to be withdrawn um, two weeks before and then showed up in the post-race test for Medina Spirit, that they want to show that that uh, with further testing that that was uh, the result of using the ointment and not an injection, and then one would assume that that would be the basis of them arguing uh, against disqualification, that the, the rules are focused on in the injection and not treatment with an ointment. So uh, probably a long shot, but uh, that is the latest development on that Kentucky Derby story. We'll get to a break, come back. Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws will join us here on the Leach Report, coming to you from the mobile Clark's Pump and Shop studio today. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back to the Leach Report, and we are bringing in now Chris Fisher from Cat'sPaws.com. And at Chris Fisher 24-7 on Twitter. Chris, uh, we'll start uh, with just as a, as a sports fan who maybe covers Kentucky football and basketball, what would you think about the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams? Um, I guess that was inevitable, right? I mean, I think we all saw some type of expansion coming, whether it was, you know, 12 or 16 or what have you. Um, it means more money, obviously, for uh, the NCAA, which I think was probably the biggest impetus for that change. But also, it means more games. And as a fan, uh, I'm excited about that. I think, um, you know, it'll give some of these smaller teams, that, uh, you know, like Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, those type of schools uh, have been knocking on the door in recent years, a shot uh, at the big boys. And so I think it'll be fun. It would uh, certainly do that. They would have, you know, I don't know, it probably wouldn't be a high level of participation, but they'd at least get uh, one or two shots at it, one would think. Um, I'm assuming they would, obviously, all the Power Five teams would be in. They'd uh, have one group of five teams like they do for the 
your six bowl games. Maybe I don't know if they'd add more than one or not. Uh, they may just send it all to an at large after after that point, and uh, you know it would still be difficult for the, the Cincinnati's, the Coastal Carolinas, to get more than one. My guess is that's probably what would happen. They keep one open, and then say maybe uh, five power five bids, and then the other six would be at large. You know, a team like Kentucky's 2018 team uh, would have had a shot. Probably the the Tennessee loss would have. You know, cost them, but um, you know they would have had, would have had a shot. But uh, it'll be. Um, and I think part of the impetus is got to be. I think it's just a sense of frustration that it's almost the same four teams every year. Yeah, definitely. And even with the expansion, I'm not sure that will change. I, I just feel like there's such a delta between. Uh, you know, talent-wise, between schools like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia and uh, those types of schools against uh, the rest, it, it's not like college basketball or the NCAA tournament where you see a monumental upset. We haven't had many of those uh, in uh, in the college football playoff. Now, you may see some of that in the higher-level bowl games where, uh, you know, a a school may not be particularly up for a lesser-name opponent having missed out on the college football playoff. But um, even with the expansion of teams, I'm not sure uh, I see a whole lot changing, at least in the near future. Yeah, I tend to think that I, I, maybe with 12 teams, maybe occasionally you'd get uh, you know an, an upset. It would more often, more than uh, the bigger issue would be uh, – the access you'd you know as you mentioned the Cincinnati the Coastal Carolina from last season probably one of those teams at least would have a shot would would get into the playoff and would have their shot at least where they don't have the shot to play at the championship now uh, I think it would still though my guess is it would be difficult for more than one of them to get in yeah probably so but like you said all they're asking for is an opportunity and and with the expansion yeah. that's what they're going to get so we'll. We'll see how that works out for them. Well, it's just a basketball. A couple of stories that uh, you have up at catspaws.com. One of them we'll talk about is uh, Keon Brooks and uh, talks about you know, uh, what his third year could look like. Uh, what is the best-case scenario of, of what uh, a third year of Keon Brooks looks like? Because the third year of Nick Richards was uh, huge, but uh, I think, most people would agree that probably Keon's a little further along after two years than maybe Nick was. I don't know. What do you think on that? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think when Nick Richards announced he was coming back to Kentucky for his junior year, I think it barely even registered with Kentucky fans, who most of which had already made up their mind that, hey, this guy's just good enough, not good enough to play here, and you know we're not going to expect much out of him. And Lo and behold, he you know triples his scoring average. He more than doubles his rebound average. He's first-team all. SEC was in the running uh, until very late in the season for SEC Player of the Year, and uh, I think has to be from beginning to end one of the big, biggest success stories uh, in the John Calipari era at Kentucky. And so, if you look at some of those numbers from Nick Richards, you look at uh, some other guys that enjoyed a junior season at Kentucky under uh, under Cal, Derek Willis, uh, even going back to guys like Darius Miller and DeAndre Liggins, two holdovers from the Gillespie era. These are guys that made a huge jump 
from year two to year three. And so when you look at Keon Brooks, his numbers were really solid last year. I think 10.3 points, 6.8 rebounds. Did not shoot the ball particularly well, but I attribute a lot of that to that lower leg injury that he sustained early in the year, missed the first eight games. And I'm not sure he was ever able to really establish a consistent rhythm, and I think we kind of saw that. Uh, in some of his uh, numbers. But you look at next season, uh, it's obviously huge for Kentucky to have a guy that's been around the block a couple of times, especially with so many newcomers. Even though those newcomers have experience, they don't have the Kentucky experience, as I've talked about. Um, And the only thing, I think, with Keon, I think he's going to be a lot better. I think he has uh, an opportunity to make a huge jump next season. It may not bear itself out in the numbers simply because there's so much more talent around him uh, next season uh, than than last season. But I definitely think he has uh, the talent and the skill, um, the maturity uh, to make a leap like we saw with uh, like a P.J. Washington or, or an Emmanuel Quickly. I'm of the opinion that they were never going to get Isaiah Jackson and Keon Brooks back if they got you know, Jackson that uh, I think Brooks would have looked elsewhere. But We'll never know if that's true, but the uh, the leads to the question of uh, you know if you if Jackson had had come back say and, and Keon had not uh, you would have had a higher rated player um, on the court, but with uh, Keon back uh, he brings you something of, of the two of those that I don't think you would have got nearly as much of from Jackson and that is the leadership component off the court. How significant will that be? Yeah, it's it's going to be huge. I think the fact that Keon Brooks didn't feel the need to announce that he was coming back to Kentucky, I think, says a lot about where uh, his head is at. I think he's extremely focused on the task at hand, like he talked about. He was just focused on on getting better. And um, you, I mean, you look at not only Kentucky, but just this day and age in college basketball, every player has to have an announcement for, you know, for cutting their list, for transferring, for coming back to school, for entering the draft, for, you know, those types of things. And I just think it says a lot about Keon Brooks and his focus and his maturity. I mean, uh, you know, fans started speculating from day one after the season that he wasn't coming back simply because we hadn't really heard that much from him. But I think that just says a lot about his maturity. I think he's ready to lead this team. Um, I think he has the uh, the capability. I think he has the, the mindset to do that. And on the court, I think being that prototypical kind of stretch four will allow John Calipari to play that four out that he's been talking about. Uh, all summer to to spread the court, to space the floor, to have perimeter shooting, and if he can, you know, if he can improve on that, you know, I think he shot twenty one percent from three last season. Shot a little bit better uh, the year before as a freshman. If he can com- improve on that number, uh, it would definitely be huge for Kentucky offensively. Twenty four past the top of the hour. We're talking with Chris Fisher from Catspaws dot com. We'll take a break. Come back in just a moment to continue on the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. From the Clark's Pop and Shop studio, it is The Leach Report. Chris Fisher's on the line with us from CatsPaws.com. 
We're talking about his story that's at the site about Keon Brooks. Another one that uh, Chris did was about uh, John Calipari's remaking of his staff with uh, the addition of guys like Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman from Illinois. Um, are you noticing a, a significant impact of that change at, at this point, or is it too early on the recruiting trail? No, definitely. I think you're seeing Kentucky involved in uh, a number of top prospects across the board. In 2022 and 2023, obviously, the lifting of the uh, the recruiting dead period on June 1st, which has given way to on-campus recruiting for the first time in you know, well over a year, is, is huge. And uh, Kentucky has their eyes on uh, on a lot of players. They're touching base with and kind of laying that foundation for a lot of guys in 2022 and and beyond. Uh, we saw a couple of scholarship offers extended uh, last month. Chris Livingston and and Brandon Miller, two five stars in the 2022 class. Chris Livingston will take an official visit to uh, Kentucky later this month, but I think that's exactly what you would expect out of Orlando Antigua and, and Chin Coleman from everyone I've, I've talked to. We, as Kentucky fans know about Orlando Antigua and what he's all about, but, uh, you know, Chin Coleman, you know, those two guys were able to create a really unique synergy at Illinois and uh, led them to uh, one of their best seasons in, in almost 20 years and did it with players that were, weren't necessarily considered elite. Uh, A.O. move was a, a top, uh, you know, top 15, top 25-star type of guy. But Kofi Coburn and, and Andre Cabello were top 50 guys that, frankly, Kentucky kind of passed on. And so for Illinois to take them and, you know, go 24-7, and seven, win the Big Ten tournament, uh, earn, a number, or earn a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, says a lot about what they were uh, able to accomplish. And um, both of those guys are high energy. They know how to connect with people. Uh, they have infectious personalities, and I think you're starting to uh, to see that bear fruit for Kentucky on the recruiting trail. Chris, thanks as always. Uh, and uh, Ben, you can read the stories we're talking about here with Chris at catspaws.com. Thank you, Chris. All right, thanks. Number one prospect in the class of 22, Jalen Duran. Number four, Chris Livingston. Also, Keontae George. I don't have here on my notes where he's uh, ranked, but it's high. Uh, all have already scheduled visits, I think, all for this month to UK. We'll be right back with Kyle Tucker from the Essence. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back here to the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Uh, it sounds a little different than usual, and uh, we apologize because it's a little technical issue. We have actually, it's the good news, bad news. The good news is we have figured out what the problem is. The bad news is it's not fixable in the next uh, 25 minutes. So we'll continue as is with Kyle Tucker from theathletic.com. And if you uh, are a subscriber, or if you're not a subscriber, you should be because you missed out uh, at the moment on a great article on the upcoming Kentucky football season, which we'll get to in just a second, Kyle. First, though, I want to get your take on the, story that's starting to emerge about the likely expansion, reports are saying, of the college football playoff from 4 to 12. What would you think about that? I mean, why not 16? <laughs> I, I, I want to see um, I want to see a big playoff just because, uh, you know, I, I'm not of the opinion that it, like, diminishes the regular season, um, you know, to have a bigger playoff. I, I Yeah, I think it's unlikely you're going to have, like, 
many huge, huge upsets, but I just think adding more games that are linked to winning a championship as opposed to these sort of, you know, you know, feel good resume padding bowl games. Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think like if you're a Kentucky fan, you know, if you're a fan um, of a lot of a lot of programs that are not going to necessarily be, you know, preseason top five ever, or you know, certainly very often where it would be a, a rarity. Uh, I think you you ought to be interested in and and you know um, excited for an expanded playoff. That that that's where I think. Like the idea that the regular season gets diminished. I mean, I think you open it up to a, a much bigger pool of programs and their fan bases who get invested in just the idea that, like, maybe they have a chance now. Um, you know, because we've had, we've had, like, you know, the same five or six teams, really less than that most years, um, you know, vying for that those four playoff spots. I mean, and we all know it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, probably Ohio State, and, and Oklahoma, you know, every year. Um, but if you open that up and you've, you've got 12 spots, you know, does the SEC have a chance to get three teams in? You know, so if you're Kentucky, could you be the third best team in the SEC some year? Um, yeah, I, I just think that's, that's really interesting that it, open, it opens the door for so many more fan bases and programs to believe they can get in the national tournament. And I, 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 can't, I can't think of a, a reason that's not a good thing. And we might get an upset sometime, you know. The, the year that we get, you know, what Boise State, let's say, let's say Boise State, Oklahoma, and the unbelievable Fiesta Bowl uh, several years ago was a, you know, uh, a playoff game, and you know, a first-round playoff game. I mean, we, we, would, we, it was obviously stuck in our memory then, but what if that was part of the national tournament? I mean, it, it would be amazing, and it, it could happen. Media members and, and fans have uh, often pointed out correctly that the one double A, or oh, we used to refer to as one double A. I guess it's the college football uh, championship subdivision uh, does sixteen teams, so sixteen is doable for college athletes in football. Um, and the point you're talking about about expanding the uh, the interest level. Yeah, at some point would probably will probably drive the expansion from twelve to sixteen, um, because um, and what I wonder, uh, our friend John Clay in his notes column today um, said he thinks it would be the end of the bowl system, um, and I personally hope that that wouldn't happen. Uh, at least it, it is at the point where they they would go to twelve teams short of sixteen because. You would give uh, still some teams something to to play for. Plus, there's a the TV component of it's it's a lot of programming uh, for ESPN in particular during uh, the Christmas and, and New Year's holiday. That uh, I've always heard anyway that that's a big part of what's driven the expansion of the, of the bowls is people watch them. Um, but uh, you know, Kentucky. I said earlier the 2018 Kentucky team probably that loss at Tennessee would have cost them. But if they had not. Uh, suffered that loss, they might they they would have been in the in a twelve team playoff that year, most likely. Yeah, and I don't think you'll ever be able to convince me that was not a good Tennessee team. It was a very good Kentucky team, and you'll never be able to convince me that they didn't just completely have a letdown after they lost to Georgia. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you but if you but if you have a chance to make the national playoffs, do you have a letdown? Yeah. Maybe you don't. I, I, maybe you, know, you don't have the letdown. 
Right. They had they had put their whole you know they had put all their eggs in like oh my gosh like we're in a we're in a SEC semifinal here you know against Georgia at home yeah you know everything built to that and when they fell flat in that game, um, I mean there, there was just there's no universe in which in that year it's not true often but in that year they were the better team than Tennessee and they just absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> laid an egg. I mean, that was a terrible Tennessee team. I, I still can't believe they lost that game. Um, but yeah, if you if you change the stakes, um, I mean, it, these are college kids, and even if they weren't, just human nature is when you sort of when you think it all comes down to this, and you don't win, then whatever comes after is is a letdown. Um, but the point is, they they would have that team was good enough, had been built to be good enough that they would have been in the 12-team discussion that would have had a good shot of getting in a 12-team playoff. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at Without that point, you're you're 10-2 and two at the end of the regular season. In the SEC, yeah. you'd be be right there. Uh, well, let's talk about Kentucky football. And uh, your latest article at theathletic.com is, uh, has a, a lot of uh, good stuff about um, – from talking to Mark Stoops and Liam Cohen. First, let me just start with uh, what your takeaways were from putting this article together versus what maybe you thought going in. Well, I think it's, you know, you know, the big theme up top is, you know, I think if you were just sort of coldly looking at the records year by year, you'd go Kentucky's climbing, 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 you know, two five wins, you know, two back-to-back two win seasons, including Stoops' first year, then two five win seasons, then two seven win seasons, then you win 18 games in the next two years, you know, it's climbing, climbing, and then then you see five and six, and, and well, they must have taken a huge step back, and I, I don't think that anybody really felt like that last year, anybody that was watching Kentucky, obviously the you know, the way the season started where they blew some opportunities there and, and the, the blowout losses while they were kind of COVID-riddled and beat up at the end, uh, Florida and, and Alabama, were disappointing. But I, I I think most folks who had the context of the season understood that they hadn't really given a lot of ground. And I think they did enough in finishing strong, blowing out South Carolina, winning a bowl game against a ranked team, a good bowl game in a strange year where you could get in with a losing record. Um, so kind of solidified that, like that, that they they hadn't given ground despite the record, and I mean the current recruiting class speaks to that, and so that was that was one thing. I mean, just that the vibe that Stoops does not feel like they've they're going backward at all from from the high water mark, and that they've got a chance to kind of surge again and maybe take the next step. Um, but then just roster wise, um, you know, there were some players I I, I genuinely got the sense that. Uh, Brad White was really excited about, you know, uh, Marquand McCall and Josh Pascal and um, uh, obviously uh, DeAndre Square uh, and Yusuf Corker, basically right down the middle of the defense. He, he, he felt like he was, he had a great group right down the, the heart of the defense. Um, and I would say, you know, offensively, what stood out to me is, you know, I think there's still some major concern about, you know, depth at wide receiver uh they, they don't know they don't really have anybody liam cohen basically said i don't have anybody uh other than um wandale robinson and josh ali that i can necessarily count on yet in that wide receiver group but he feels really good about those guys and he, and he raved and so did stoops raved about wandale robinson like that he is you know everything you would hope your kind of star offensive player would be um and at quarterback i mean to me 
obviously Joey Gatewood came out of spring as the leader, but my money would be on Will Levis when he gets in from Penn State to, to win that job uh, and starts working with them. And that's what I think they're, they're hopeful of. Um, because the raw materials there are really good, and he's flashed some stuff on film. Cohen said he keeps going back to that Nebraska game where uh, Penn State's down uh, two or three scores at Nebraska, and Levis comes off the bench and leads them to you know to the ten yard line in the final seconds with a chance to tie the game. And he had some really, really impressive plays in that game. If you haven't watched them, if you're thinking about what Kentucky's quarterback might look like, there's some good glimpses of of what Levis could be there as a runner and a thrower. And a, and a thrower on the run, which I think is interesting. He made he had a 70-yard pass where he spun out of a sack and made a deep throw on the run. So, um, you know, those are kind of the, I think that's the things that stuck out to me going through the kind of just going through the roster with those coaches. We'll take a quick break. Come back with more with Kyle and get deep, a little deeper into the uh, quarterback uh, debate, and we'll do that when we return. It's the Leach Report with Kyle Tucker from theAthletic.com. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Father's Day is coming up, and we always suggest that around Christmas time at the Athletic, uh, you can gift a subscription to someone, and that's a good Christmas gift. It would be a fantastic Father's Day gift with college football season just around the corner. So. Consider that as we visit with Kyle Tucker from the aforementioned TheAthletic.com. We're, uh, we're talking about his story on Kentucky football. A couple of things out of there, uh, Kyle, I've made note of. One uh, is on Wandale Robinson, and uh, Coach Cohen told you that uh, Wandale is, quote, a much better receiver than I thought he would be, and he told a story about a, uh, a route in a drill this spring that really stood out to him. Yes, and one of their starting safeties tried to put his hands on him and couldn't even touch him. He put his foot in the ground and uh, slipped inside of him and made a great catch. Uh, and then at the end, just kind of flipped it uh, to the manager like that was easy. And he said, "I'm telling you, it wasn't. It was not easy." Uh, so that was, you know. And and talking to Stoops, he said, "You know, I recruited him from the time he was a freshman in high school, um, and still didn't realize till he got here and got in practice for 15 practices, like." really even how good he is and, and some of that is i thought that was the interesting thing there um you know cohen talked about it is like he doesn't want to be a gadget guy he doesn't want to be the guy uh you know taking you know taking a bunch of snaps and handoffs out of the backfield um you know and used almost as as a, a running back slash wide receiver now look if kentucky ever gets in a pinch if they ever get in a you know lynn bowden situation You'd have a, a hell of a option for that, uh, and I'm sure he'd be game in that scenario. Uh, but they've got a great stable of running backs already, um, and they have a need at wide receiver. You know, for for a guy to be a full time playmaker at wide receiver, and so that's what Wandale Robinson wants to be, and that's how uh, Liam Cohen wants to use him. And so I thought that was really interesting as well, um, just the the notion of how you use him and how that allows his his skill set to shine. Now let's talk about the quarterback position. One of the things that I wondered, and I hadn't heard Coach Cohen talk about this, um, is when he got this job and he sought out uh, Will Levis or, or Will, you know, whether it was indirect, however it happened, and Will Levis ends up coming to Kentucky. Um, did 
Cohen look at that as like, okay, I'm going into a new job. I don't know anything about the guys I'm inheriting. And I want to have somebody that I've kind of recruited myself just in, in case I need them. Or did he find uh, a guy that um, was ideal for what he wanted to do? And uh, he, in talk in the story where he talks to you, he, he talks about that Nebraska game and some of the things that he saw. And he said, I wonder what he looks like with the confidence to say, I'm not getting pulled if I make one mistake. I'm the guy. I can play free now because he can rip it, man. So I re- read that quote and I thought, okay, this is a guy that he clearly uh, was uh, didn't just bring in as a safety net. No, and, you know, that was my initial reaction. I mean, just, just in, you know, when the news came out that that Levis was coming, I thought, well, that that adds some really nice depth to the to the quarterback mm-hmm. room. And almost immediately, I started hearing from people over there, he ain't coming here to be a backup. <laughs> He's not coming here to provide depth. I mean, I think I think the plan is is if he you know if he is what they think they are, for him to be that guy. Now, I think they were very encouraged, uh, and I'm actually I, there was so much stuff I went you know through the entire roster. Uh, with both coordinators and a little bit with Stoops, more big-picture stuff with Stoops. But there was so much great material and interesting sort of player-by-player breakdown that it couldn't – that thing would have been 10,000 words, so we cut a lot of it out. Uh, I think I'm going to have a piece uh, later this week or early next where I, I take some of that uh, leftover stuff because people are probably wondering that that, that uh, state of the program piece that's up now doesn't really get dive a lot into Gatewood. It doesn't uh, really explore, you know, what about Bo Allen, who they were so – hyped up about uh, from right there in Lexington. And the, he talked about both those guys. I mean, long-term, he still believes in, in Bo Allen, uh, but feels like he's got a lot of just physical and mental maturing to do before the physical gifts can kind of take over. Um, and I think the other piece of that was that they, he, he talked about um, was that he, he was kind of pleasantly surprised with uh, Joey Gatewood in spring and that he did some things better than he thought he would um, to the point that, He's glad there's going to be some competition. That it, it, you know, they're not going to have to hand Will Levis the job by default. And also, I think it's interesting um, that he said, you know, Will Levis and Joey Gatewood are similar enough. I mean, they're these big, strong-armed, athletic, dual-threat type uh, quarterbacks. That whichever one of them was your quarterback, if it's one of those two, you're not drastically altering just the makeup of your offense. You know the the kinds of plays you're going to call, the style you're going to play. And so that also allows them to make. not feel feel pressured to say, well, we got to name the starter at the beginning of camp so that we can uh, develop our offensive identity. They can let that kind of play out for a few weeks. Uh, and whoever wins the job, they have a backup who can do, at least physically do, you know, similar things. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there, so I'll be eager to see some of the uh, – the overtime edition of uh, this story. Yeah, what was had, left on the cutting room floor. He had some floor. great thoughts on on Bo and and Joey Gatewood and, and some others. Uh, well, we're running short on time here, so uh, we'll we'll cut it off there. Maybe get more into that uh, in the coming weeks, as there's plenty of time to talk about football. But uh, it was it's a really uh, very great, a lot of great insight into. Uh, some of the uh, key spots for this upcoming season, and it's at theathletic.com, and uh, you can go there and find out how to subscribe or gift one to Dad, as I was just suggesting. Uh, Kyle, thank you much as always. Thank you. I appreciate you.
It's uh, Kyle Tucker. You can uh, read him at theathletic.com. And he joins us here on Wednesdays on the Leach Report. We'll take a quick break and come back and wrap up this edition of our show. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. One uh, Wildcat birthday for today, and it's a birthday in the extended Wildcat family, if you will. Dickie V celebrating a birthday today. So happy birthday to one of the all-time just great people in uh, college sports, just in the world. Dick Vitale has done so much for uh, charity, particular pediatric cancer. Um, Chris Felica, who is the bear on the ESPN Game Day show, um, he is... Uh, kind of the the guru of of sports betting now is on that show and uh, just in in general has kind of carved out a niche there and uh, saw where he was on a podcast uh, recently and talking about um, good bets for the upcoming season. One of which he identified as Kentucky for the over on six and a half wins, which is where it's been set. And he said he thinks the uh, minimum is seven and five, and that eight and four is likely. He said that some people talk about 10 and 2, and maybe that's a little bit uh, uh, extreme. And I'd say his analysis on, uh, on the season is probably uh, in, in the right ballpark. I think you know, if some things came together, uh, they really hit on a the quarterback, then that's where they could you know, be good enough maybe to, to try to make a run at, at Georgia and, and Florida in the East. More than likely, it's a, you know, that's maybe a year or two away as they uh, build up under a, a new offensive coordinator. But one of those quarterbacks hits and they get that offense rolling, then um, um, all bets are off or on, as the case might be. That'll do it for us. See you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Have a good day, everybody. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on the Leach Report Radio Network.